Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Mickey Badlamenti, discipleship pastor here at Rock Point Community Church. Our goal in the messages we share is to consistently present God's truth in ways that will challenge you, bring you new perspective, and ultimately lead you into closer relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you in your faith. We also welcome you to visit us anytime you're in the Detroit area. Our Sunday services are at 9 and 11 a.m. and include a full range of children's programs, as well as a ministry specifically for children with special needs. Find us on Facebook or visit our website at rockpoint.org for more information. So we are in a new year, 2022. I think Jake said this the first service. I don't know if he said it just a little bit ago. That's a lot of twos. 2022. But I can't even believe we're there sometimes when I think of that. When we think of a new year, we talk about new commitments. We talk about new promises. We call it New Year's resolutions, right? All of these new things that we want to experience and be a part of. And I believe God is in the business of making things new. He wants to bring that into our lives. It's actually, it's a, it's a part of who he is. And we, I want to spend just a few minutes looking at that today and next week. We're going to be talking about this idea of God making things new or made new. And today we're going to focus on how God brings light from the darkness. He brings light out of darkness. Um, it was going on, in a few months, it'll be about almost two years since m- me and my family took a trip out west. We were in South Dakota and areas like that. And um, one night we went to a couple, couple hours, about an hour and a half or so north of Keystone in the areas where Mount Rushmore is. And we attended an event at night. It was really cool. There was fireworks. Really neat moment to be out there. And then we start driving back towards where uh, our hotel was near uh, Custer uh, area, which is again about an hour and a half south of there. And you know, it was one of those moments where I wanted to make a little bit better time. It's 10.30 at night. You want to get back. You want to get some sleep, get ready for the next day. So I decided to ask Siri to give me the best path. You ever do that? And you kind of get this path and you look and you're like, doesn't look like a freeway, but okay. I mean, it's going to save me 73 seconds. So I'll, <laughs> I'll take the path that Siri says, right? And so I get on this path, and it took about 10 minutes before my wife and I realized we had made a mistake. And we're on this road that is weaving and winding, and there is cliffs to the right of us, okay, and and then houses and things over here. But probably the worst part beyond even the cliffs and the fact that it was raining, wasn't snowing like it did today, but it was raining, and when it rains, roads tend to get a little slippery, okay? So as we're going down this road, the worst part of all that, though, is there were no streetlights, not like a freeway or something where you live. There was nothing, so it was just dark. So we're trying to navigate this road that's winding with these cliffs falling to the side and rain hitting and all of this other stuff. So I'm there white-knuckled. I'm going about, I think, six miles an hour. <laughs> and my wife's next to me, wide-eyed like this, praying out loud, Of course, none of this is disturbing the kids because they're fast asleep all in the van, right? They're just zonked. But what should have been, instead of an hour and a half trip, should have been an hour and a half, save a minute or two, that Siri told us, ended up being more like a two and a half hour trip. And I'll tell you what, when we finally got back in the middle of the night and went to bed and I woke up the next day, I have never been more happy to see the light (laughs) than that morning after that drive in darkness, total darkness. God wants to bring light out of darkness. 
He wants to make things new, but there is a way in which he approaches these things, and, and it's important that we understand a bit of his character so that we can fold that into our experience because things aren't always light, are they? There's a lot of darkness sometimes, and it's hard to understand this, but it, it really helps us in these moments to go into deep into the character of God and ask ourselves in a new year, how is it that God goes about making things new in our lives. So let's start back at the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1. We see this, right? In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. So it's completely dark there. And the spirit of God, so we got the we got the trinity at work here, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the spirit of God is right there hovering over the surface of these dark waters and then right in the middle of that complete darkness, what does God do? What is the first thing that he wants to bring to this world that he is preparing and forming and fashioning that we might live here? What is the first thing he does? God says, "Let there be light." Light. The first thing he wants to do is bring light into the darkness and out of the darkness. He wants to introduce it in that moment. That's what God does. Um, I, I recently, it's been about 10 years since I've done anything substantive, so I wanted to do a few things to remodel the office in the back. And so I was looking for a couple of lights that I could put in the office that would just, you know, kind of add a little bit extra. And Jake is like Mr., I mean, he's like awesome with style. I, I, if I would have bought something, it would have been horrible. He's got like these great ideas. So he finds this thing online, not too expensive. So I picked it up. Here's a picture of it, actually. I just threw it up there. It comes from, uh, iPhone was not included. Very disappointed. <laughs> I mean, I thought for $20 for sure that would be in there, but it wasn't, okay? But that's the light. So I plugged the light into to my office, and something interesting happened. The moment I plugged it in, I pushed it into place, and as soon as I touched it, the light came on. And I, I looked at it, and I thought to myself, I always knew I had Jedi powers. <laughs> I, I was just waiting for the right moment, you know? And so, so, of course, I didn't actually create anything there. What I found out, and we didn't know when we bought it, so it was a bit of an added bonus when I purchased it, is that you know, it had one of those touch sensor, you, know, you just touch the base of the light and it goes on. There's no switch. There's no anything. So I was real impressed with myself, but the reality is I didn't do anything, did I? It was the engineers that designed it to turn on by itself, and I didn't create the electricity or the light either, right? That was already there. It was just channeling in that moment. But God, God creates light. He just says, let there be light, and it pops in. How does he do that? Oh, he's God. <laughs> That's how he does that. And what's interesting about that light and that, that first light that he created, it's so beyond what we can fathom. In fact, it took some time before it started to become things more visible to us. And we started even you know, from the stuff we see around us every day, because we need light to see. Without it, we stumble around in darkness. But even from the, the little things we see, even to the vast things, here's a picture of something that's out there that eventually became visible. You know, there's a star in the middle you can see and some gases that emanated from it and it made this whole thing. Actually, when you zoom out, it's quite interesting. Can you zoom that out for a minute there? You ever feel like you're being watched? There you go. That's actually called the God's Eye Nebula. No joke. I mean, that's, you know, it's a pretty cool thing out there that they observe, among other things. But that is after time and after light becoming more, more visible and, and, and cooled off, really. But that's not how it was. It, well, from what we understand at the beginning, one person says the universe was a septillion times hotter than the center of the sun. Now, septillion is a very fancy word for a big number. That's what it means, okay? 
A septillion is a one followed by 24 zeros, if you can even fathom how big that number. So we're not talking a thousand times hotter than the sun. We're not talking about a million, not a billion, a septillion times hotter. If we can even, if we're even right, we don't know, but we know it's, it was immensely, immensely hot. But hot means light. It means bright. And it said here at, the, at that stage, it was extremely bright and at frequencies of light that humans can't even see. We can't fathom it. And it makes sense that this kind of thing would come from God because of what the scripture tells us who God is. First Timothy chapter 6 says he's the blessed and only almighty God, the king of kings and lord of all lords. He alone can never die, and he lives in light so brilliant that no human can even approach him. No human eye has ever seen him nor ever will. All honor and power to him forever. He alone can never die. Think about that alone. I mean, God is... We kind of think of God, I think, sometimes like he lives in our timeline, you know, and he's kind of moving along like us, and one day he says, yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll create something. Maybe I'll put some light there. No, no, no. The time and space can't contain him. He made it. He created it all. And he created light by the, the word of his, of his power. And he created it at, at, we're told, at frequencies that we can't even see. Do you know that we only see a tiny sliver, just a sliver, of the actual light that there is. In fact, look at this. I threw this up there. This is a, the whole spectrum of light, at least, that we know. It runs the whole gamut, and you can kind of see from, from left to right, that's all the possible light there is, from cosmic rays to radio waves to everything. That little vertical bar that kind of looks like a little rainbow right there, it kind of just off to the left, going up and down, that's the amount of light we see on the whole. That's it. We can't see the rest. And in fact, one commenter said, if we could see the rest, he said that even in a dark cave, people would light up like a Christmas tree. I'd imagine seeing that. Each person, even in the darkest cave, would light up like a Christmas tree if you could see all the light. They go on to say, the world you see is nothing like the world that actually exists if you could access all that light. Well, God lives in light even beyond that, that no human can even fathom. And he did all this by the word of his, of his power. He just spoke it. Do, do, we, do we press into God's word? We've got it. It's in, it's in front of our hands and it's on our coffee stands. But do we press into it every day? Do we, do we treat it literally like it's light for the soul and that without it we're just stumbling around in darkness? There's something new that we can commit to for a new year because that's how badly our souls need it. His word, it says, is a, is a, is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So he used his word and he just created this light. And light is beautiful. I mean, even the light that we can see. I, I keep thinking in my mind as I was thinking on this, this message today of a few weeks ago when we were here for a Christmas Eve service. And one of the things we do every year, if you didn't see it this last time, God willing, we'll do it again next year. Be here next year. You want to see this. Because we had these candles that we light. And, and, and the whole room goes dark. And then you see the candles in the midst of that. And it's just, it's one of the most beautiful, beautiful things that you can see. Just to see that moment, the light coming out of that darkness. In fact, in the, in the old country where it's known for the followers of God, you know, you go to the country of Israel and in Hebrew, they often greet each other in the morning. And a common greeting that one person will say is, Bokar Tov, it means good morning. And the response typically to that is Bokar Or, morning of light. 
because we realize how important, how beautiful light is, how necessary to our path to heaven. And God is defined by it. First John chapter 1 tells us literally God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. You see, he didn't just create light. He is light. There's no darkness whatsoever. And that's why light naturally emanated from his word. And as, as God is light and therefore what is not God is not light but darkness, so God is righteous and what is not like God is unrighteous. And so God is truth and what is not like God is a lie. And, and God is, is holy and what, not is, is, what is not like God is, is sinful. And so that is darkness in our life. God is life and what not is like is not like God is, is pain and, and suffering, you see. And so we need God. We need God to make something new. And he always wants to bring light out of darkness to make something new. He did it at the beginning, and he continues to do it. But there's an interesting thing. Everything he created, he, he shed light on it all, and not one bit of it ever rebels against that light until... Until he brought one thing along in this world that he shed all that light on and prepared it for. And when that man and woman came into this world, and when we every single day step in this world, we are the one thing that can reject that light and turn to darkness and let the darkness in. And that began happening. Man came along and, you know, humanity began to want to progress without God. We thought we could progress really well. And we stumbled right into the darkness we thought we were on the right path. We thought we Googled it and Siri'd it and got it right. And it took us right down the path of darkness, the long path. And so eventually it gets to a place where God needs to deal with this, as we see early on. It's so bad that there's really only one option. And God comes in at a moment in Genesis 6 and tells a man named Noah and his family, he tells him, build a large boat from cypress wood, waterproof it with tar. We're going to get back to that in a moment, inside and out. So put this tar all over it, inside and out. And when everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, go into the boat with all your family. For among all the people of the earth, I see that you alone are righteous. And the Lord closed the door behind him. The Lord was preparing this one family, and separating them off, because everyone else, it was time to eradicate the darkness. See, never make a mistake to think that because God is light and because God is good, then that means that God has no right to eradicate the darkness. In fact, he does and he will and he should. And it's not a game that we want to play around with. We don't want to spend time thinking that if we can just kind of go our own direction a little bit that God's not going to pay attention or he doesn't really care or he's not going to really do anything about that or care to do anything about that. Or maybe we can hide it from God, right? Because that's what darkness does. It hides things. You can't see what's there. So maybe it hides from God. But Psalm 139 tells us, uh, the, the writer says, suppose I wanted to hide from you, God. Suppose I wanted, and I said, surely the darkness will hide me. He says, no, that won't work. The day will change to night and cover me because even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day. You see, God eradicates darkness because he's light and he shines light on the darkness and the darkness can't hide from him because to him, everything is light. He sees every bit of the spectrum. Nothing hides from God. And so that's not a good strategy to try to hide it away or run from God. We need to press into him, even with our darkness, because we trust 
that he wants to bring more out of it. Now, Noah, we're told, and his family was righteous. They were in a pretty good place. They were the only ones at that time. But I don't, I don't know about you. Maybe you feel you're in Noah's place. Maybe you feel you're okay, and everything I just said in the last couple of minutes doesn't really apply. That's, that's good. You sort that out with God. I can tell you this. For me, in my history, and my track record, I'm not Noah. I'm not in that place of perfect righteousness. I'm not in that place where I don't need God or I'm going to be saved in the, uh, beyond everyone else. I'm in the place where I need to be saved from myself. How about you? Where are you at right now? But the good news is God doesn't want us running away in that place. We'll see that in a moment. So Noah goes into this boat, going to be saved through the moment of darkness. But what's interesting is that even Noah finds himself in the midst of the darkness. Remember what God said to him. He said, completely cover the boat with tar. The word actually, the substance they would use was called pitch. It was a very thick very dark substance that you would coat something with and literally would allow no light through. In fact, when we say something is extremely dark, what do we say? We say it's pitch dark, pitch black. Okay, That's why we say that. So this substance that he coated the entire boat with would have made it completely dark inside. And let me tell you, when you make a boat that's designed to survive a giant flood, you're not going to put a lot of windows on the boat. In those days, they didn't have double-pane glass and all this other stuff, right? So they wouldn't have put a lot of holes in the boat. Anybody want to guess why? Holes don't work really good on a boat that's trying to survive, you know, 50-foot waves or anything like that. So, in fact, we're told later when Noah comes out of the boat, he, he opens the window. Not one of the windows, the window. And so you have a situation here where this, this family is in a boat that is completely dark. They would have had to adjust to that as they moved around for for a long period of time, too. They were in there at least 150 days, possibly another 40 beyond that, if you look at the the text really carefully. Have you ever been in a dark place for a long time? I'm not talking about a a room. I remember years ago I saw a, a kid who accidentally got stuck in a room. Everybody started hearing him screaming because the lights were off and the door closed. And just after a, a probably was, ended up being a couple of minutes' time, they were screaming like crazy, looking for any adult. And we opened the door, rushed in, and then they calmed down. But just those few minutes of, of darkness made them panic, or a few seconds, whatever it was. Ever been in a dark place for a long time? Like a dark moment? Like dark months? Or a couple of years? When something just doesn't let up? And you're kind of waiting for that to clear and it keeps coming back. Anybody connecting the dots on this? We're all kind of there right now. We're in a difficult, somewhat dark time. And we don't know when it's going to end. But I can tell you that God knows how to bring light out of darkness. That much I hold true. He will decide how, he will decide when, and he will decide in what way But he will bring light out of darkness because that's who he is if we hold on. And so they held on for those days and then eventually they came to a place where they saw the first light. But it wasn't just any light. They saw the light of the world around them but then God made a specific promise. He said to them, I'm giving you a sign of my covenant with you and all living creatures. 
for all generations to come. I've placed my rainbow in the clouds, he said. Now remember that. We're going to come back to that. My rainbow in the clouds. It's a sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. And I will remember that covenant with all, you and all living creatures. Never again will the floodwaters destroy all life. In other words, if I have to eradicate darkness again, I've got a plan. And I've got a plan for bringing light out of darkness. But I'm making that promise and that covenant to you right now, and I will not break it. And it's sealed by this rainbow that you see in the sky. So interesting that God makes this covenant after he brings them through this place of darkness and then makes a covenant with them and seals this with a spectrum of light. All the light that's visible is there to, make, to seal this promise, showing him God is a God who brings light after darkness. But did the darkness stop? No. It rarely does. And so people began to progress again without God. And we can spend time in all of how this happened through all the books of the Bible, which we will, so we should finish about 6 p.m. We'll just keep going. No, I'm going to summarize, but we have this situation in which people began to gather together and unite, and they had certain leaders that followed after God, but then they rejected those leaders, and, and then that went bad. It took them to a place of darkness, and after they stumbled around and were scared of the cliffs, then eventually God got them back to the light, and back and forth this went, and eventually they formed a kingdom, a kingdom, ironically, in which they said that they needed a human king. They didn't want God. God said, I can lead you. You don't need that. They said, no, we need to have that. So we can do it better, God. We can progress better without you. And so they formed this whole kingdom, and that's their approach. And then eventually that kingdom splits and divides because that's what happens when we start to pursue darkness instead of light. And eventually the northern kingdom called Israel gets, gets attacked and gets overcome by a nation called Assyria. And those people begin to intermarry and intermingle and move further away from God and move towards very pagan, ungodly practices. And that whole area that was known by some of the tribes that had settled there, some people, the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, but it, was also, it also became known as Galilee, that area, eventually was so so caught up with these ungodly practices in these, in these ways, it became known as a place of darkness. All the people knew it as a very, very dark place. And so isn't it interesting that out of that area, as we heard about over the Christmas season these last couple of weeks, that place of extreme darkness is where God chose to bring the light out of. He said he would bring the light to the world. But isn't it interesting that he brought the light out of the darkness? And the prophet Isaiah told us 700 years before Jesus showed up. He said this, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee, that land, which lies along the road and runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, the light will shine. And just as the Spirit of God had moved and brought light out of darkness, now the Son of God was going to come in and bring light out of the dark place. Even as the Father brought the light of the rainbow to promise humanity, he had a plan to bring light out of darkness. Isn't it interesting that God brought it out of that area? Do you know that God doesn't easily bail on you like we tend to do with each other. Isn't it interesting that God doesn't quickly devalue people like we do to each other? 
Isn't it interesting God is always trying to bring something new out of the old and worn out? That's who God is. And you can count on that because he wants to bring light out of the darkness. But it didn't stop there. The path to darkness continues. Progress continues. In fact, I really believe that a lot of times what what we call progress, God calls darkness. Not all of our progress is, is good. Because it's a place that we get to where we think that we can solve things without God. It's a place we get to where we think we've learned so much. It's as if we, we've figured out how to harness the light. We've even figured out how to turn the light on without a switch. So we've gotten so smart that why do we need the one who, I mean, we can create the light, can't we? Isn't that what we're doing? Isn't that what our, our progress and our, our brilliance can do? And so we begin to forget who really is the one that says, let there be light and calls it out of darkness. And we replace that. And we take that road because we think it's going to be the quicker and better road. And we just lose track and we start to stumble. There was somebody recently who I heard that was sharing and I want to share their their complete quote to you. It's a little bit longer, but I think it's worth it because this is an individual who's been looking at where today things have been going. And what I find so interesting about this is, is this person this person is not somebody who has faith in faith in God, uh, not a Christian or, or even any general faith. In fact, I, they didn't say this directly, but if I had to guess, I would say they, they, they have... They have no faith whatsoever. They, they reject even maybe the idea of God. Nevertheless, they're really open in thinking about what's going on. And it was a very honest statement of what they shared, and that's why I want to share it with you. Because it, it says so much more than if I was quoting to you somebody who you know, naturally has faith, and so, well, of course we need God. That's what we must say, right? But you know, as, as if we've got it all figured out, right? Which we don't. We tend to act like we do, but we don't. We need God far more than we admit, even when we're sitting in a church every Sunday, right? But this person was more honest about it because they're not there, and they don't have any pretenses to keep up. And so they were really trying to sort it out as they dialogued with this person. And this is how they see how progress is going today. They said, and I quote, We've gone through the whole process of transitioning from being basically Christian. He's talking kind of about Western culture specifically. He says, we've gone through the whole process of transitioning from being basically Christian, a society that had a sacred story, a story that ties culture together and gives it a sense of meaning, that meaning being the Christian story. This is what this person who has no faith is saying. We started to abandon that. In the 18th century, we moved to a different story with a different symbolic meaning, and this was the story of progress. And progress was a materialist story, meaning stuff, just the stuff's going to answer everything. There was no longer anything so-called supernatural. We moved into the story of progress and material and measurement and technology and reason and all of that stuff. He's not saying that's bad. He's saying that became our God, as it were. That began, though, to break down in the 20th century because it wasn't sustainable to talk about progress anymore after the Holocaust. Everybody knows what that was, right? 
in Germany at the time. Many millions of people killed. Then it goes on and says, and the more we realized that materialism wasn't enough for us as human beings, then that story started to break down as well. So Christianity broke down as a source of meaning. Now progress has broken down as a source of meaning. So we're a society that doesn't have a source. We don't know who we are. We don't know what to believe in. Social media comes along and accelerates this a thousandfold because now we can form tribes and mob people who disagree. We can go out for war instead of having conversations, and then we end up in a place where we are now with screaming and competing tribes. COVID comes along and accelerates that another millionfold because now fear is introduced along with greater opportunities for division, and we haven't got a cultural core anymore. So now the future... The only way you can hold people together, if we keep going this way, is through authoritarian measures, where what you can say and what you can't say, where you can go and can't go, because real societies are held together by a sense of social norms, and we haven't got them anymore. Whether you believe, he ends it with this, whether you believe in Christianity or any of these things, they were at least for a while, it was a story that held us together, and I think we haven't got a story to hold us together anymore. See, we cut off the source. We cut off the source of light. And we didn't realize how that would end up making us stumble around in the darkness. And I got news for you. We're going into a new year, and we're going to probably make commitments to ourselves and to others. Let me just let the cat out of the bag now and dispel the mystery. The truth is, many of those things we try to do, we will fail at. This is starting to sound like a real downer of a message, isn't it? It's not. It's just that we're putting our faith in the wrong place if we dwell on that. we got to remember the one who brings light out of darkness. We may fail. We may goof. We may sin. And none of those things should be something we should take lightly because God wants to eradicate all of that. But there's hope because God's goal is to bring light out of the darkness. You see, when he told Noah... I'm going to put this in the sky. The word that he actually used was bow. And it was certainly the rainbow that was there. That was the physical, the visual thing that he saw. But the word that God used there, bow, is actually a word that you'll find elsewhere in Scripture. Like when David picked up his sword and strapped down his sword and picked up his bow. It's an instrument of judgment. It's an instrument that an arrow is used to strike down one in judgment. And that would have been the picture potentially that was in in Noah's mind as he looked at that rainbow and thought of the curved part of the bow, the wood part of the bow that was used as an instrument. And here it was right in front of his face. And God's saying, I put this bow there to show you I won't judge in this way. I have another plan. I have another plan for bringing light out of judgment. And it's represented by this. And what's interesting is as he would have looked at that bow and thought of it as an instrument of God to bring judgment, he probably would have asked himself, which way was that bow pointing? Because the curve was this way. And so if the curve faces where the arrow is going to fly, which way was it facing? Which way would the arrow of judgment fly to finally eradicate the darkness and bring the light? And it was all those years later that the Son of God, the light who came out of darkness, went to a cross. And that arrow from the bow of God fell on him fell on him to eradicate 
my sin and your sin and our darkness. He received that judgment that we might have light. 2 Corinthians 5.21 said, God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins, our darkness. Then in exchange, he poured God's goodness, his light into us. That's exactly what happened at the cross. Matthew 27 tells us darkness fell over the land as he took our sin on. He poured darkness into light, his son, the light of the world, that he might bring light out of our darkness. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6 says, For the God who said light will shine out of darkness is the same one who made light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And 2 Corinthians 5 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone A new life has begun. He can turn any darkness, your darkness, my darkness, into light. And so as we come to receive communion, that's really the question as we start this new year. What is the darkness that you face? Is it it illness? Is is, Is it that that overwhelming feeling of the COVID that just doesn't seem to end? And we're waiting to open that hatch and see the light, but it just doesn't seem to be there yet. Is it something personal, something, something that you know is keeping you from God, some, some sin that's in the way, and it just seems easier to run from him? That's not what he wants. He wants us to go to him so he can bring light out of the darkness. We don't know when. We don't know how. I'm not here to dictate that. All I know is he will do it. He will do it for you, and he'll do it for me, and he'll do it for anyone who will call on him. And that is a part of what we celebrate in communion. We're going to receive that together in a couple of minutes. You don't have to be part of this church to receive it together. All you have to, to do is, is to, to know who Jesus is and to follow him. Because if you don't, then you don't understand this idea of God bringing light out of darkness and what that represents, that communion. And so why do it? But you can change that right now. You can simply look at him with, with, with a simple act of faith and say, Lord, I give you my darkness. I know I'm stumbling without you. So come in. Be the Lord and the light of my life. And then receive communion with us. If not, let it pass you by and consider this today. But let's hold this communion until afterwards when we can take it together. And as we do, let's reflect as we begin to approach this new year. What is it that God wants to make new in you? Well, I pray that you go forward in the light today. This final scripture for you today, for all of us. Ephesians 5, verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light. In the Lord, live as children of light. That takes some strength, and it's not our strength. Next week, we'll talk a little bit about that. But in the meantime, let's go forth in the light of Jesus Christ, shall we? And let's make it a good year. Despite what's there, let's make it a good year in Christ. Father, we thank you, God, for this opportunity to go forward in your Son. We carry him with us, Lord. We thank you, God, for bringing light in our life, his light that never fades. It's in Jesus' name we pray. The church said, amen. Amen.